welcome to the Sewing Room Podcast, episode 11, recorded on August the 1st, 2016, and brought to you by Vicky Hibbins, that's me, with Bishy Barnababes. I'm really sorry that I haven't recorded any podcast recently. In fact, it's just over three weeks now since the last one. I try and record a podcast once a fortnight, every two weeks. And unfortunately, I had, wasn't able to do the last one. Our house has been on the market. We've been desperately trying to sell it so that we can move. And with viewings and things, it's just taken up way more time than I expected. And also, Bryony has been on holiday from Montessori. So whereas usually I get Friday mornings when she's there and the house is nice and quiet, I haven't been able to have that lovely quiet time recently. Last night, she went and stayed with Grandma as we are going to see another house today and she's really, really tricky to take round houses. A very talkative, um, very um, outgoing four-year-old is not ideal when you are trying to talk to owners or estate agents about the house you're looking at. She gets so excited and wants to go from room to room in houses where the whole house is kind of done on a circular route so you can go through one room into another room into another room and end up back where you started. Of course, to a four-year-old, that means it's a running track where you can go round and round and round which is probably not going to be so bad if it was the house that we owned because it might give us something to do to wear ourselves out but it's not ideal when you are trying to look around somebody else's house and talk to people and find out all the things that you want to find out when you are looking to buy a house so luckily she's at um, her grandparents which means the house is lovely and quiet this morning and I thought I really must quickly record a podcast while I have the chance we thought we'd sold our house we had an offer on our house last week from one of the people that had looked round and we accepted it on Friday and then this morning they've pulled out. So having seen a house I particularly liked at the weekend, we were obviously not in a position to buy it. We had already agreed to look at this one this afternoon so that we had a comparison. I mean, we've seen a few houses that we didn't like and some houses that we've liked that have been sold before um, we've been able to sell ours, etc. So I am just having to trust that the right house for us is out there somewhere And at the right time, we will sell ours and then be able to buy the one that we want. One of the others that we really liked and lost, we don't actually like as much as we like one of the other ones we've seen. So that could happen again, I guess. Or a couple of people who looked around and were interested but hadn't actually sold theirs, they might suddenly sell their house and then we've suddenly got a buyer again. But it's all very stressful and very difficult, as I'm sure any of you who um, sell your houses and go through all of that would agree. If you are interested in seeing what our house is like, I have put a link to it actually in the Bishy Barnabas Facebook group. So if you're a member of that group, you can go and have a nose. And if you're not a member of that group, then why don't you come and join us there anyway? And then you can have a nose. So that's what's been keeping me from being able to podcast recently. Um, as I said, it's the summer holidays here at the moment. Bryony will be going back to Montessori in September. And I have found it really interesting seeing on different groups people wanting to do back to school sewing and other education groups where they're talking about getting their back to school supplies and things like that at the moment. And that seems so strange for me because we only um, started our summer holidays here um, only about about two weeks ago now, I think. And so it's really strange to be thinking about going back to school already. We feel like we've only just started having a holiday and we don't go back in England until the beginning of September. The children usually get about six weeks off. So it's interesting to see how things are done in other parts of the world. I have recently added a tutorial 
to the Bishy Barna Babes blog. If you head over to the Bishy Barna Babes website, it'll be there. And of course, I'll link in the show notes of some play felt pasta. I love making things for Bryony. In fact, it's one of the reasons that I took up sewing again, um, obviously four or so years ago when when she was born, because I'd done a lot of sewing in the past, but then had a big gap while I enjoyed doing other crafts. And after she was born, that's what really got me sewing again. And I love making things for her and I love making toys for her. And in the past, I have made her some of the, I want want to say white pasta, but you know, the kind of normal colour pasta where I use some cream coloured felt and it's the bow tie pasta. There is a really fancy Italian name for it. I have included that in the tutorial, but don't ask me what it is now off the top of my head. And also I probably would massacre pronouncing it. So it's probably just as well that I leave that on the website so you can read it rather than hearing me try to say it. But I made the regular pasta a while ago for her and she really liked that. And she we do a toy rotation system here. She's got so many toys and even so there's so many toys that are out and we don't need them all out. But what I try to do is rotate toys. She has her um, play cooker out all the time, but she's got lots and lots of felt food, some of which her aunt made her um, a couple of years ago, really gorgeous things that seem to have taken forever. I would imagine like little strawberries and watermelon and all sorts of different fruit. And she's also got a plastic Um, toy blender that you can put the felt food into and press the button and all the felt food whizzes round which she thinks is fantastic so we have a set of felt and fabric food and we also have a set of wooden food and what I try to do is to only keep one set out at a time and the other set gets hidden under her bed so that when it comes out again and I swap them over it's like she's got new toys and she plays with them all again we do it with instruments and some other toys some of the things she's got like her Sylvanian families and my little pony she just loves too much that I can't ever imagine putting those away she'd be very upset if I tried to hide any of those from her but the other things that we've got it's quite nice so that she plays with a load of things and at the point that she's getting bored of it I will switch them around so I swapped them over at the weekend and she saw all her felt food again And I suggested that I could make her some more food. So we went on to Pinterest and had a bit of a look so that she could get some ideas of what she might like. And I have a Pinterest board called Play Food. And if you're not following me already on Pinterest, you might want to check out. I'm Bishy Barna Babes on there and I will put a link in the show notes through to that um, board on there. But over time, I've collected examples of play food. Most of them are made of felt. Some of them are fabric. Some of them are other things. But basically, um, food that you could make for a child's kitchen out of various different DIY things that you have at home. And Bryony spotted the pasta and saw that one of the pins had three colours of pasta, both the spinach pasta and also the tomato pasta. So at that point, she said, oh, I quite fancy some other coloured pasta. Interestingly, in real life, she can't actually eat that sort of pasta. She's got multiple food intolerances 
And one of the things that she can't do is gluten, wheat, any of those sorts of things, even tapioca or corn, which is in a lot of gluten-free products. We have found some pasta, pen pasta that she can eat that's just made out of rice. But obviously she's very limited on the shapes of pasta that she could have. So she can't have bow tie pasta anyway, but she still enjoys playing with it. And I guess it's her chance to pretend to eat it, even if she can't eat the real thing. So she spotted that and I said, okay, yeah, I could easily do that. And I happened to have some lovely green felt that would be perfect for it. So made her some more play pasta. In fact, it looks so realistic that when it's in her little tiny toy saucepan, I took a photo of it. And again, that will be on the, on with the, on the blog with the show notes for this podcast. And it really does look realistic. If I didn't tell you it was felt pasta from a glance, you'd probably think it was the real stuff. So it does look very realistic and Briony loves playing with it. I have also made something else out of felt for her for her toys to eat and I will be doing a blog post all about that at another time. But while I was making this felt pasta I suddenly thought actually I could share how to make this with others rather than just posting a picture of the finished item. So there is a step-by-step photo tutorial on the blog showing how to make felt pasta and I'll be doing the same as I said with the other thing that I have made recently too. I've got the photos done but wanted to get the podcast done before I put another blog post up. One of the things that I needed to make my felt pasta were pinking shears. So I have decided today that I would talk about pinking shears as the product during this podcast and talk about the ones that I've got, what I use them for and things like that. Mine, I have to say, are not very good pinking shears. I have no idea where I bought them from. They're not branded at all. And they are quite stiff to use. They do the job, they cut, but they do require quite a bit of effort to use. Now then, I'm not sure whether this is true of all pinking shears. I don't have any others that I've ever used that I could compare them to. And I know that I've had these ones for quite some time. So, as I said, can't tell you where I got them from, what sort of price I paid, but I know that they're not fantastic. Um, When I lived in Israel, I cut a load of felt Christmas stockings for my class to make felt stockings. They were made with two stocking-shaped pieces of felt cut round the edge with pinking shears and a little, what would be like a ribbon looped on the back to hang the stocking up. But I cut those out of strips of felt again with the pinking shears. And the children in my class sewed sequins onto one side and then sewed the two together and added the little loop for something to be able to hang on a Christmas tree. And I think if I remember rightly, I probably gave them candy canes or a sweet, probably not candy canes in Israel. I probably couldn't get hold of those or a sweet or something they could put in their little stocking to take home. And after cutting out what would have been probably about 50 to 60 stockings over a couple of days, I found that the area just inside my thumb where the pinking shears sit had actually gone completely numb. And I went to the doctors and discovered that I had done quite a lot of nerve damage in using those pinking shears and had to have a vitamin 12, no, sorry, vitamin B12 injection, which kind of goes into the into a very, very painful part of your bottom stroke hip. And it's the 
most painful injection I've ever had. It burned and was absolutely horrible. And I wouldn't wish that on anybody. So make sure that if you are using pinking shears that are particularly stiff, do take it easy and don't cut too much at one time. Or otherwise, get a decent pair of pinking shears if they exist. So if there's anyone out there who has a great pair of pinking shears... Um, that I would be able to get hold of in the UK and would like to share that information, I would be very, very grateful because I do think it's time that I upgraded and got a decent pair of pinking shears. So that's a couple of things I've used my pinking shears for, for making the felt pasta. And I really don't think there'd be any other way of making that felt pasta if you didn't have pinking shears. It would be really, really laborious trying to cut all those little zigzags out of felt in order to make them look just like the bowtie pasta. So as I said, bowtie pasta and also Christmas stockings using pinking shears. I have read that pinking shears can be used on seams. So rather than zigzagging along a seam or using your over overlocker serger if you have one of those I have read that you can use pinking shears on both of the inside seams as a way of stopping the fabric fraying Um, I think from what I've read that this would really only work if it was tightly woven fabric or obviously fabric that wouldn't fray at all but at the same time when I, I can imagine that if the fabric was more loose those tiny little triangles the the fabric that was on those triangles, those tiny little threads, if it wasn't very tightly woven, would actually come off in the washing machine. Whether just even still having the the pieces remaining on the fabric of those triangles would stop the rest from fraying, I don't know. I have to be honest and say I've not used pinking shears for that, but obviously that is one option for using them. The other place that I have used them is clipping notches around necks and collars. I sometimes find if you if you're doing a collar, whether it's a tight collar or even where it fits you inside the collar, you have got quite a lot of fabric if you've also got interfacing you've got the two layers of fabric and the interfacing and you have to cut notches around in order to be able to turn the collar the inside out to the correct way around after you've sewn it and so obviously you do have to put notches in but I don't know about you but I often find that when I do that there is a tiny tiny kind of little straight a little corner not an obvious corner I'm trying to think how to describe it I'm using my hands here which is not going to help you at all in listening to this as to know what I'm doing but um, it's kind of obvious where that um, notch has been put in you can kind of see a very tiny little bit where kind of two straight lines are coming together rather than it being a really really smooth curve obviously you try as much as possible with your fingers and things to push the curve out and make it as smooth as you can but I do find that that occasionally happens and also sometimes if you're not careful and you cut your notch too close to the fabric sometimes then it makes it um slightly weaker there and eventually some of the fabric can fray in that area whereas using pinking shears around around the collar you are able to kind of get the notches lots and lots of little notches rather than big notches and actually smooth it out really really well and get a lovely finish on a collar I've also done it on necks where you have a facing and and things like that to get a really nice smooth edge I wouldn't recommend doing both layers at the same time, but to but to do both of the 
layers of fabric in the seam separately with your pinking shears because sometimes if you get too thick a fabric or trying to cut too much at once the either the pinking shears don't work or again you're putting strain onto that area of the thumb and you don't want to end up with nerve damage from cutting collars and things like that one of the places that I used that technique for using the pinking shears was on the Gertie soda shop dress which has got the lovely Madeira collar that is attached onto that and so I, I can't remember whether I used it on the Madeira part or whether just on the neck but I do remember I think that was the first time I tried it on that dress and was really really pleased with the results so just reminder if you know of any really great pinking shears let me know what they are please and I'll look into getting a much better better set in the sewing room at the moment not as much has been going on as usual because of me as I said being very busy with house showing around and things and also I have to tidy everything away when we have a viewing and I haven't wanted to get as much out and have as many things on the go as I usually do however one of the things that I have made is another pair of the Oliver and S sunny day shorts and use that pattern I didn't make the shorts although the pattern is for shorts I'll tell you a little bit more about what I did make in a moment but that's what I've been sewing recently. In fact Oliver and S was the first PDF company that, or the company that made PDF patterns that I actually discovered and it was when Bryony was was very small um, six months to a year off the top of my head when I discovered them online and discovered wow you can actually get PDF patterns for things rather than having to go to the um, sewing shop and get them from there and I did buy one of their patterns I can't even remember which one it was and I have to say they are very very expensive and I didn't even get as far, I think I made the bloomers out of it, whichever pattern it was, and never even made the dress um, that I bought with it, found it again recently, wanted to make the dress, and already Bryony had grown out of it, because I also find with the Oliver and S that their range of sizes in a given pattern is also very small, in fact much more like you would get from regular dressmaking patterns, where there seems to be less sizes, whereas we have being spoilt those of us who are used to using pdf patterns with the huge range of sizing that a pattern comes in and we buy it knowing that it will last for several years if we get it when they're younger and it's great that you can keep pulling out your patterns year after year and still have things that you can make rather than discovering very quickly that it no longer fits but as I said, I didn't know this back then that you could get such a wide range and I did love their designs and bought one of the dresses as well as the sunny day shorts. In fact, I didn't buy the sunny day shorts because one of the fantastic things about them is that is one of their free patterns. There are two patterns for the sunny day shorts. There is a six month to age four pattern and there is a download also for the age five to 12. So with both patterns, you can make these shorts all the way from six months to age 12. And I first started making Bryony the shorts when she was two and I have made a lot with this pattern since. It's one of my go-to patterns if I ever need shorts, three-quarter length trousers or even full length trousers. I just extend it um, on the pattern. I'll often trace over with a piece of, of um, tissue paper. I buy the tissue paper that you get from the sewing shop so you get huge sheets of it 
um, really, really cheaply. And I will extend the pattern and make the trousers as long as I want them to, which is fantastic. I have made so many different versions. And in fact, because she seemed to go upwards rather than outwards, and a two-year-old's nappy has to fit a sorry, a two-year-old's shorts has to fit a nappy in, whereas as a four-year-old, they're designed to be with, she doesn't need a nappy. I'm actually finding that she is still able to wear the shorts, most of them, that I made two years ago for her, which is great for me, although it does mean I don't need to make her any at the moment, um, rather than previously I had to make them if I wanted shorts and didn't want to buy them, whereas at the moment she's still got lots of pairs to wear. I have, as I said, made them shorter than the pattern. One pair were particularly short because my friend gave me a vintage Laura Ashley dress. It was a 1980s Laura Ashley dress and she wanted the bottom taken up because it was far too long for her. And with the amount of fabric that I had to cut off, I was actually able to make her a pair of shorts. They are short shorts, not obscenely short, obviously, but shorter than the pattern. And I just made it so that the pattern fit on the amount of fabric that I had and didn't worry that they weren't quite as long as they should have been. Also, I managed to get a lovely offcut of fabric that had dressmaking um, mannequins on them or dress forms. I can't think of the correct name, but you know what I mean. The ones on stands where you have the body and the fab- and these were lovely different fabric ones, different coloured and types of fabric on a lovely navy blue background. And I managed to get an offcut of that. And again, it wasn't quite as long as the pattern said, so I just made them a little bit shorter. And although they probably would have been just little bit above the knee when I made them. They're now kind of short shorts and she's still able to fit in those. I will try and take photos of as many of the ones that I've got as possible and add those into the show notes so that you can see the different ones that I've made. The three quarter length or longer ones started off longer originally, probably much more nearly down to her feet. Now that she's taller, they're kind of three quarter length or up to just below the knee. Um, Very, very versatile as they've been able to last so long, which is fantastic. I have added a strip of coordinating fabric as a fabric band folded up around the bottom of some of these. And they were great because you you could either have the band of fabric down or fold them up to make them a bit shorter. And they've been ones that have been lasting really, really well for her. I have to say all the shorts and even longer ones that I've made, I've made out of summer weight fabric and things like linen works fantastically and that sort of thing for them. I haven't tried making winter type trousers for her and I have to say she doesn't tend to wear trousers in winter. So I haven't bothered with any more heavyweight fabric in making all of these. I've made them with the side seam that's in the pattern. I've also put the pattern pieces together and made them without the side seams. Um, Because they're gathered, I haven't worried so much about losing a bit of fabric, particularly now that means they're fitting her longer anyway. And I've also added pockets. I've added back pockets, pockets with a band at the top. I've also added pockets at the front that are added so that your hands go in the side, not in the side seam, but you have a like triangle cut off the corner and then a back pocket piece that's sewn on. So you get a a little triangle of fabric that peeps out at the side um, and your hand goes in the side where your side seam would be. And she loves those. She loves pockets so you can collect things. So they've proved very, very popular. 
And it's great, again, to have the coordinating fabric and you can coordinate that with the fabric around the bottom. You could add trim, lace, really, really um, dress them up depending on what fabric you used as well as the trims and things like that that you used. And I've also made a lot of them for friends, children. I've added a plique to them, stenciling with fabric paints, all sorts of things. So as I said, this is probably the pattern that I've used most out of any pattern at all. I have made a lot of scrundies, I have to say. So that pattern has been used many, many times. But most of those I make in batches. So there's a lot that are the same. Whereas this is the pattern where I've made the most different things from it obviously all shorts and trousers but in terms of the fabric and pockets and all of that sort of thing so briny has a lot of these and really didn't need any more so you ask yourself why did i decide that if i needed to do some sewing and couldn't do very much sewing i would make her another pair of these well it was because i had fabric available that i didn't expect to have available available to me I have been putting on quite a lot of weight recently. As I said, Bryony had multiple, has got multiple food intolerances and that meant that I needed to breastfeed her for quite a while longer than probably I would have done originally and would have thought of to make sure that as she was growing when she was little that she was getting everything that she needed because she was on a very restricted diet. And I was obviously happy to eat some foods that she didn't want to eat and didn't like. Although it did mean that I had to also restrict my diet in order to only eat the things that she could tolerate or she would react even through the breast milk. And in doing so, I lost four and a half to five stone from when I gave birth to her over a couple of years, over a two year period. Obviously, when she started when, sorry, when I started being able to eat everything again because I stopped breastfeeding, I went a little bit crazy and I wanted to keep eating all the things that I had been restricted from for a couple of years. And that meant eating lots of lovely milk chocolate and cheese and probably all the things that are highly fattening. Lots of dessert with cream on, yeah strawberries even, long string of things that I was suddenly able to eat and the weight started piling back on. Not ideal but I felt very restricted from what I from my sorry I felt that all the restrictions I'd had that now had been taken off I was kind of making up for it and I didn't want to restrict myself. I didn't want to say I can't eat this or that because I kind of felt like that was how I felt when I was breastfeeding. And although I didn't begrudge her that at the time and was happy to do it, at the same time, I felt like I was making up for all the things I hadn't been able to eat while I was breastfeeding. So as I said, I've been putting on lots and lots of weight. I keep sort of two sets of clothing. I don't know whether you do that. I have a kind of thin set and a fat set so that you can switch which ones are in your wardrobe depending upon what size you are. And so I had gone back to wearing what I call my fat wardrobe and I had some lovely linen trousers I'd bought several years ago and I loved them so much that I bought them in about four or five different colourways. And one of my favourites were this lovely pale pink probably not quite so pale pink, but not really, really vibrant pink, but lovely pink linen fabric. And I wore them one day while I was teaching. I substitute teach, supply teach, and went into school wearing these. And I sat down in assembly and the chair felt rather cold. And it was at that point that I realised that I had split 
the back of these trousers. It wasn't in a seam, it was actually right the way across from the in inseam, right the way to the outside where my thighs are not quite that far, right across um, where my bottom joins my legs, if that makes sense. So this huge split in my trousers. I managed to stand up and kind of walk sideways out of assembly, hoping that the children didn't notice the fact that I wasn't walking quite like I should have done out of assembly. And luckily, the trousers or the split was in such a place and the top that I was wearing and things like that, the children didn't notice. But it meant that my favourite pair of linen trousers could no longer be worn by me. I guess I could have perhaps tried to fix it, but it would have been really, really obvious and just thought, actually, no, I can't do that. But there's a lot of fabric in these trousers. So instead decided that I would make Bryony a pair of trousers using the Oliver and S pattern instead. A pair, another pair of three quarter length ones that she would be able, be able to wear. And I'd get to use my favourite pair of trousers to make one for her. So that's the reason why I started making those. I have to say when I make the waistband on them, um, I tried initially to just cut the waistband the size of the p- pattern piece that is there with the pattern. And I guess perhaps I wasn't being completely accurate with my seam allowances or something like that. But I always found I really struggled to fit the waistband on at the end and actually make it and actually, you know join up so that there was a seam allowance for joining it. And it was always a really, really tight fit. So I found it much easier. I just cut a strip of fabric, the width um, according to the waistband. And then after I've made the bottom part of the trousers, I just um, measure and get the waistband to fit, obviously um, adding extra for the seam allowance. And I find that a lot easier than trying to squeeze the other two together. And it also makes it easier when I'm cutting the pattern piece because I just cut a long strip. And if I know that I'm going to be making several pairs when I make them for gifts out of linen and things like that, I will just cut the waistbands with my rotary cutter and my ruler and be done with it and just just use up what I need as and when rather than having to to cut the waistband separately. So that's one of the things that I do that's slightly different to the pattern. But it's been great to be able to use up the the trousers that I had and the side seam that has the, oh dear, my brain's gone completely blank now, that has a particular sort of seam on it that you often get on trousers and the name of that particular seam has completely gone out of my head. I'm very, very sorry. Anyway, that seam that's on the side, I have used as the side seam. So it will look like I've done one of the nice side seams where actually I've just used the one that was on the trousers and just put the pattern pieces up against that um, when I cut them out. I haven't yet tried them on Bryony, but obviously I will be doing that and then taking some photos to add that to the show notes as well. So that's pretty much it for today's podcast. Another couple of things I did just wanted to say is that I have started crocheting again. I was crocheting a baby blanket for Bryony um, when I was pregnant. It has four panels down the centre and a border and I did three and a half panels and that was it. Then I had Bryony and four and a half, four and a half years later, I decided I wanted some kind of craft that I could take out with me and pick up here and there. 
um, and pulled out this particular crochet. I want to get it finished as I'd put so much effort into it. I'll probably then keep it and hope I have grandchildren one day that I can use this blanket with, this baby blanket with. But it's been great to pick up another craft again. It's one of the great things about crafting is no matter how long you leave something, you can always pick it up again and, and enjoy doing a craft that you might not have worked on for a while. So it's been great to be crocheting again. The other thing that I wanted to mention is that I have just discovered, thanks to Lauren, that the flower purse pattern, that's a free free pattern for a flower purse, very, very straightforward, lovely felt um, or non yeah, felt fabric is what it works best for. Little purse that is great to make with children and for children that I have added to the files in the Bishy Barnabas Facebook group. I've discovered I added the wrong file and I added the instructions only file and it doesn't have the pattern pieces. I have now been into the Facebook group and corrected that and uploaded the correct version that does have the pattern pieces. So if you have previously downloaded that, thinking that you'll work on it at some point in the future, please go back and get the correct one. I would hate for you to come to work on it at some point and then discover that it doesn't have the pattern pieces and if you're working on it with a child, they could be very frustrated or if you happen to be in a different time zone to me and can't get hold of me to send you the pattern, the correct one straight away, then please do go and get the correct version of that. It is also available for free on Craftsy and I think that is the correct version on then, but I probably ought to double check that. And obviously it'd be great if you join the Bishy Barnabas Facebook group if you haven't already. So I will say bye-bye for now. I'm looking forward to the next podcast where I'll have another strike-off from Second Star Fabrics that that will have arrived and I'll have made something. And hopefully my mum might have Bryony again so that I can get this podcast recorded. Anyway, I hope you're getting lots of sewing or other crafting done and have fun in your sewing room and I'll speak to you soon. But bye-bye for now. <laughs>